Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we're tackling the retrospective subject, if you had your time over again, what would you do differently? There are some great things that we've all done in our lives that we wouldn't change for a heartbeat. And at the same time, there are some things that we'd prefer not to remember and we definitely do them differently going forward. Hope you enjoy the show. See you on the other side. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and as always, my offsider and co-host, Mitchell Laurential. Thank you for having me on the show, Mr. Baxter. And to jump straight into things, I know how much you love your timepieces and that beautiful one you've got on today. It's going to help us wind back the clock. I, I want to ask you. I was hoping your segues this year would have improved. <laughs> I bet. I think that material is quite good. 2022 segue game stepped up. But I guess today, AB, the question is, and this is a loaded question, of course, plenty of parts to it. If you had your time over again, what would you do the same? But more importantly, what would you do differently? Okay, I presume we're narrowing this down to one area of life because this could go on for some time. Uh, so we're talking about in the investing space. Correct, um, business and investing, correct. That's good, yes. Uh, there's a few few, few doors in my past I probably wouldn't want to open relationship-wise, that's for sure. Um, yeah, great question. What would we do if we did it all over again? And I mean, the arrogant answer is nothing, but I think that's both a naive and an arrogant answer. There's so much you could do differently with the benefit of hindsight, and I think anybody listening to this today, you know, if we if we've got a set of uh, screens to look through called Harry Hindsight, there are enormous things we do differently. Um, it reminds me if you sort of look at this on a more sort of scientific or analytical frame as two charts, one called experience and the other one called naivety, and they're inversely correlated. The more experience you get, in theory, uh, the less uh, naive you are. Um, but sometimes a bit of naivety is a good thing. Uh, what I mean by that, when we're all starting out, we don't necessarily know what it takes to get the journey completed. And you say to people, you know, if you had your time over, would you do the same thing again? Oh, geez, there's no way I'd do that again. Honestly, it did this, it did that, nearly killed me, but I got there. But when you've got that youthful naivety, I'll do whatever it takes to get to the finishing line. It's, it's about getting that sort of balance right. And uh, it's a great lens to look through if you had your time over. And yes, there are things I'd certainly do from a, a, a trading uh, and business perspective very, very differently. Um, starting in the trading space, yeah, my my pretty much my entire career has been focused in the derivative space and, and, and I've done futures and CFDs a lot. Hey, sorry, Abby, mm. sorry to interrupt you. Can we get a rundown on briefly the, the story of your career from start to finish? Okay, so uh, I finished uni in 1992, graduated in the middle of a pretty gnarly recession. Um, couldn't get a job, there were no jobs to be had uh, at that particular time. I managed to jag a temping job with an agency doing some admin at a bank and they weren't uh, recruiting anybody, recruitment freeze. And uh, externally, you could move internally and I applied for a couple of internal jobs which they turned me down on. And I asked to meet them and say, why have you turned me down? And they said, we're only recruiting. Um, internally, not externally. I said, well, I'm working in the building, I'm internal. And I actually blagged my way in the door. Uh, and I think, you know, that determination is something that's actually served me quite well throughout my career. Um, started off there very quickly, realised that's not what I wanted to do uh, and parlayed that into uh, getting a job in London uh, in, a, in an investment institution. And that was really my start in the investment space proper. Um, and, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. I was very fortunate. Two of the companies I worked for there were were major institutions and I was very determined to succeed at both of them. So I had a, a initially a very low rung on the ladder job and I made the best out of that massively uh, and engineered it into, into the trading floor, which is really where I spent the rest of my career in London. Um, and I'm very grateful for that particular pathway as opposed to coming in as a trainee in the trading floor space because um, I think I had the opportunity to look from the outside in rather than being in the tent straight away. And that's what really 
prompted me to want to be in the tent. Um, I think, let me try and explain that in a slightly different way. If you fall into something, you're in it and it's what you do. Whereas if you're from the outside trying to get into it, it's a prize. You get to do it rather than have to do it. And, and, and it's something I genuinely wanted to do and I got to do it as opposed to being a successful graduate trainee getting in there and it's just what I do and I have to do this. It's something that was a prize for me. And, I'm ver- and I've always looked at markets in that way as a gift. And uh, I got to work with some pretty high achievers in that space. You know, a couple of the guys I was working with in the mid '90s were pulling down, you know, fifteen, twenty million quid a year uh, income, which you know, a lot. Is, is good money, and 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 is still good money in today's terms. And it was an absolute eye opener uh, from coming from a working class background in a small town to seeing those kind of telephone numbers and that actually there is no ceiling on what you can earn in investment markets. And again, that was something, you know, very early on that that cemented my future in that space that you eat what you kill if you're good at what you do your remuneration is extremely lucrative and if you're very bad at what you do then you're going to starve and that sort of darwinian theory is uh, something i wholeheartedly agree with uh, in, in in the business world uh, and i think that's where a lot of my values today really stem from uh, that 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 time in my formative years early 20s in the business sense um that yeah you eat what you kill and uh, you got to be on top of your game day in day out there's no safety net and uh, very grateful for that and obviously learning how how to trade uh, in that space has changed a lot. Um, you know, when I first looked at charts online, it was a green monochrome monitor that probably would have given you retina cancer if you looked at it for too long uh, with very, very basic analytical tools compared to, you know, what's freely available online now. So, you know, the world's very different back then. Uh, and, and, and the world of derivatives too, um, you know, options really started in 1974, so way, way before my time, uh, but they weren't mainstream. Uh, and I remember one of the investment vehicles we we had that we built um, was a was a was a was a derivative trading fund, which was absolutely brand new to that firm at that time. And so it really was at the sort of um, the vanguard, if you will, of um, uh, of derivatives being used in uh, funds for retail investors. And so I got a really good grounding in you know, futures and, and, and options, which have you know, served me very well personally with my investing, but also obviously for our business because they're the backbone of what we do. Exactly right. And fast forward 30 or so years in total, and here we are today with Australian Investment Education, which mm. we educate thousands upon thousands on to do exactly what you've done. Hmm. Question now, AB, we've got a brief rundown. Thanks for that. Is if you had to keep a few things exactly as they were, what would they be? Yeah, I, I think that pathway in would be something I'd definitely stick with. Sometimes you think, well, gee, that was that was a hard slog, and it was. You know, I didn't go to the right school. Um, I worked hard at uni, but I didn't go to the right school. Uh, and uh, and I, I saw people with the red carpet rolled out for them because they went to Eton or Harrow and uh, and and the, um, and the right school and got in there despite their abilities. And at the time. Um, that did cause me a level of resentment and just made me want to prove myself even more. Uh, and I'm glad that it wasn't that way um, because, as I say, if you've got to fight for something, it truly is something that you value and you actually want as opposed to something that you take for granted. So in that respect, you know, I, I wouldn't change that aspect to it. I think from my trading, I've certainly, I'm nowhere near as aggressive uh, with my trading as I, I was when I was younger. You know, I would have a crack at it properly. Um, you know, Which is a good thing, right? And, and when you're younger, I think, 
you have to because you really don't have anything to lose and, and, and you're just starting your life, you've got a whole lifetime ahead of you to get it right. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I had a red hot crack at it and it was good to do that because you've got to look into the abyss. It suited my risk appetite at the time. I had nothing and I wanted to make something and I did, made a lot. Um, same with property. You know, I bought my first place in London, I think it was sort of 24 or something like that and it was a dreadful property when I look back with hindsight. Matter of fact, like, like now my sort of old stomping ground is Mayfair. That was sort of the way that my journey in London sort of finished up. But I oftentimes will uh, go back to that particular place and have a wander past and look at it. And it's really humbling to think that that's what you could afford at that given time. And you thought it was amazing. And I did. And I still do that. I got my start at 24 in the property market in London, even though I was in a dreadful suburb and a pretty average property, it was my start. And if you never start, you never get anywhere. So it's good to reflect on those things. Um, but over time, you know, as your experience grows, there are things that you would definitely do differently. And, you know, within our business, I think we've been very good at being able to pioneer investor education on the scale that we do to thousands of people around the world. We've embraced online massively as everybody has with, you know, the pandemic. And I only wish that we'd done more of that earlier because the experiences that we can give our clients remotely without them needing to travel on on a far more frequent basis in a far more conducive non-intimidating in a, in a in a big classroom with lots of people where it's scary to ask questions if you're not sure to better create an intimate environment online to do that safely and i wish we'd if we had a time over again we would have embraced that a lot earlier yeah you know, the, the serendipity of that of course is it's also shaved off probably 100 flights a year for me too and, uh, and 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 at the moment i'm not missing that travel i have to say um but yeah that's something I, I think i'd like to have seen us done a little bit earlier we still were at the vanguard of what was going on but we could have been even more so and been the pioneers if you will of that uh, and taking it forward because their client feedback in this new environment has just shifted massively to the positive because it's convenient for people, it's less time consuming, it's cheaper, it's far more effective and you can repeat it. And as I say, I, I, I do wish as a CEO that I'd uh, maybe taken some heat from our IT team earlier and pushed harder for that rather than doing what we did, but we've done it now, which is fantastic. So yeah, that's 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 an operational one. Um, you know, we've, we've also embraced technology in a lot of other areas. You know, we, we, were the pioneer of something called Easy Trade, uh, you know, and it's enabled us to go from having a large trading floor with a lot of brokers talking to clients on the phone to being able to have a very small, highly skilled team that's able to reach thousands around the world using technology. And and the technology we provide is amazing. You know, as a broker, which client are you going to call first to? Put out a trade to probably the one you make the biggest commission from. We're all human beings, after all. <laughs> we eat what we kill, um, which doesn't really serve people that are playing at the small end of the spectrum, yet all clients are important. And, and those clients would be maybe not as well serviced as you'd like. These days with technology, all of our clients get the same information at the same time, creating a level playing field. And I think from an efficacy point of view, that's probably one of the biggest boxes for me in terms of values that we ticked rolling out that um, that technology. So I'm so proud that we did that and I definitely keep what we did there. We were at the cutting edge of doing it, um, which is pretty cool. Looking more specifically in the trading space, and, and this is one I will kick myself over that it's taken me as long as it has to arrive at this conclusion. 2021, there was a trade I took, which will be the last single stock options trade I ever do. It's a big call. Mm. Um, yeah, and I've been in this space a long time. I know how to trade and I know how to trade options in this space. And I picked a really nice meat and potatoes company, low volatility put a geared strategy in play on it and the company's board made a very poor 
decision to make an acquisition and saw the backside fall out of the share price, killed the option strategy. And there's something where even with my level of experience um, and picking the right strategy on the right kind of company, I've been handed my backside on a plate. And that's very humbling. You know, that shouldn't happen, but that's the reality of trading. There's that uncertainty and variable that can come out of left field to, to knock you off your perch. It keeps our ego gone and keeps us honest and true with our plan. And so for the last probably three or four months, one of the areas I've really been focused on uh, is in the exchange traded fund space, not specifically to replace options trading. I'll always trade options, but to replace the underlying instrument instead of being stocks to use ETFs as the underlying instrument. Um, there's a lot to unpack in that, and there are a lot of reasons for it. But you know, zeroing out stock-specific risk is something I'm at my stage of life uh, with my current risk appetite, I'm very happy to do. You can still get plenty of color in there. You can get plenty. You want to rev it up and redline it, you can Ooh, certainly yeah. do that too. Um, but for someone starting out in the journey, we've now got a, a, a sort of access point which eliminates that stock-specific risk. And that's something I wish I'd arrived at much, much earlier. But, you know, it always happens when there's that intersection uh, between you know, what you're looking for and what you're dissatisfied with. Uh, and, and, and I guess that was the, the, the last dissatisfied with trade I will have in the single stock space. So it's opened the door for our clients now uh, to a great new trading strategy, which marries the beauty of options trading with the underlying security of using ETFs, exchange traded funds instead of single stock stuff. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. But I Gee, I wish this was a conversation <laughs> we were having 10 years ago. A tribute to you. Obviously, something happened in the market in real time. You then amended the strategy and created a product for thousands of other people potentially mm. to get into too as well. It, it, it's awesome. If you had to talk about advice to a brand new investor, we've got clients from all walks of life, obviously, AB, a brand new investor in the stock market right now using options what are you doing? What are you playing with? Hmm. I think um, for somebody new coming into the markets, you know, most important thing is to upskill and, and know what you're doing. This is by no means any place, and, and it's not just options. I think the stock market in general, unassisted, is not a safe or fun place for somebody that's brand new. You do need to get schooled on it before you uh, before you get into it. Um, and I think you know, picking quality option strategies. There are so many to choose from. Well, we trade probably 14 or so fairly regularly here at different times of the, the, the trading season when market conditions are appropriate and so on. Um, I'd scale that back down for someone that's new to maybe one or two strategies, but with the right kind of underlying asset because it doesn't matter what the option strategy is. If the underlying asset isn't right, it's going to end in tears unless you happen to be extremely lucky. And I'd never base an investment strategy around luck. That's uh, that's something that unfortunately a lot of people are finding out in, in markets right now. You know, they made money last year, but maybe they're not now, or they made money in crypto, but they're not now, or they made property money and now they're not. You know, that may have been pure luck rather than skill. So, you know, get started properly, get educated, pick the right kind of underlying assets that aren't too spicy, uh, that give you the ability to generate great income but without that stock specific risk, or in some cases, not even sector risk either, just a, just just market risk only, which um, is a dramatic risk reduction for people. And I've always prided our organizational priorities towards not just focusing on upside, but risk management uh, being key. That's why I've been able to trade for 30 years and I'm not living under a bridge. Um, you know, I haven't blown up because risk management has always been a very, very important part of what I've done. And this is a terrific move forward in the in the in the risk management space and i'm very very proud that again we've got something we can put out there for people that will enable them to get all of the opportunity the upside the shiny stuff the things that people want but it does a very very good job of removing a lot of the 
higher levels of uncertainty and risk from trading, which can, particularly for new people, can clatter you. But as someone that's a 30-year veteran, can still clatter you. So if you can if you can take that out of the equation, then you know that's a really great thing. So for people new, this is how I would be starting out if I had my time over again. If I had my time over again, I wish I started earlier. I started early. I was like 15 or 16, I think, when I bought my first shares. And I would have started earlier and harder. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe that naivety index um, uh, versus experience was a great thing. And again, as we get older, we lose that youthful enthusiasm for things. You know, just go in and go hard and work it out as you go along uh, is a great way to learn when we're younger. But we put so many limitations on ourselves as we get older because we feel we're more experienced, have more expertise, got more runs on the board have a significantly more developed ego uh, and, and their motivation changes. And, you know, sometimes taking it back to the rawness of that youthful enthusiasm uh, is key. It's why I enjoy working with you. Thank you very much. And it's why I enjoy working with you as well. World-class basics is something that flows through our organization yeah. and one thing that we stress to our traders, right? Yeah, world-class basics doesn't sound very exciting, does it? And, and and I keep going back to this and it's our catch cry in the business. It's our catch cry for our clients right now. And, and for people that are in our, uh, you know, listening to this podcast or watching us on YouTube, wherever it may be, you know, what do you mean by world-class basics? And very sadly, we all want to learn more. We want to grow. We want to feel that we're you know, at a more advanced or enhanced level with what we do. And, and that jump ahead um, is, is a poison chalice. Yes, you feel good that you're learning more and you're playing maybe what you f- see as being a higher level. But if you haven't taken the time to build the basics out properly, you're onto a, a, a very, very wobbly platform to say the least. You know, I see this with my kids, you know, my kids are pretty young and you know, the youngest is at the moment, what, 13 weeks, the eldest is seven. So, you know, I've had a fairly concentrated period over the last seven years watching how my children develop and there are five of them, you know, so it's a pretty good case study. And, you know, that notion of they get very frustrated crawling. They want to just better get up and walk or run around. But if you don't crawl, you never develop the muscles properly, the strength, the core strength to better walk or run. And, and, and trading and investing is the same. World-class basics, being able to crawl around so effectively is key. It, it's true to absolutely everything. Yet our desire to want to appear to be more sophisticated, more advanced, often overshadows that. I'll give you a really simple example. And, you know, if, if you think about the romance space, uh, and irrespective of your gender here, you can sort of adjust this story to suit. You come home, your partner's sitting down and you, say, hey, you look great, put on some music, put, make a cup of tea or pour him a glass of wine, light a nice candle, um, you know, foot massage, how's your day, actively listen to someone, put some cologne or perfume on. These are all you know, part of it. We all know where this conversation's going. You've got a particular objective in mind. Now that's all well and good as a, as a, as tools to help get you further and further towards that objective, but if you go and hop into bed without cleaning your teeth, you're probably going to get kicked out, and that's the end of any prospect of having any kind of action that night. Full stop. And there's an example where you spent all the time working on the peripheral stuff, but you've managed to totally forget about the basics of cleaning your teeth before you get into bed if you want to kiss somebody. Great analogy. That's, world class that's our basics. kind of analogy. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know where that one came from, but it's, 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 it's world-class basics. And if you get the basics right, if you're a trader, understand if it's in a downtrend, don't buy the stupid thing. It's in a downtrend for a reason. It's got no momentum. You need it to base out. You need it to show some level of support. 
What's the price action? How volatile is it? What's the news flow around that? They're all really basic steps, but in our desire to throw on 56 indicators on a chart and then gearing it up with some sort of derivative instrument times 100 leverage, you're building a very, very fragile and very, very weak business on the back of that. Get it back to the simple stuff, get that simple stuff done well, and away you go. And you know, now we're in the situation where we're we're opening up travel-wise. You know, I've got somewhere in mind. Uh, Italy is always up there somewhere, but I, I want to get my wife and, uh, and, and and particularly my father-in-law, actually, um, down to Patagonia uh, in the southern end of Argentina. Um, there's a chef, Francis Melman is his name, and uh, he's one of the most renowned chefs in the world, Argentinian chef. Everything he cooks is over fire. Talk about world-class basics. There's no fancy cooker. There's no superb pans and all the different things. Basic. Just straight over the fire. And uh, and potatoes in particular, talk about basic foods. The majority of what he cooks are based around potatoes and doing it exceptionally well. And 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 you won't get into one of his restaurants. I'm going to go down to Patagonia. I'm going to go to his place down there, and I'll have dinner with him. That sounds will, good. And it will be world class basics done to the extreme. Yet again, we all want this. Oh, I've got to have a bit of this. Got to have a bit of that, and all this extra cream and caviar and all the nuances and chichkas to dress something up when you can have the most amazing food that's just cooked on a fire, cooked with love, and it's world-class basics. And it applies to every facet of life. Now I'm starving. Thanks very much for that. We've spoken of food, getting into bed with the partner and trading, which is uh, an interesting mix there. But Three of your most important uh, sort of drivers in life, Mitch. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Absolutely. <laughs> I've learned from the best. AB, that's an awesome rundown. And I guess when you look back in time, there's a lot you'd change. There's a lot you'd still do the same. But all in all, you've got the lessons now behind you to, to help help others, which is the most important thing. So thanks very much for your time today. It's an absolute pleasure, Mitch. And, you know, they're my lessons. Everyone's got to run their own race, you know. And uh, one of the things, you know, talking of kids, you can't be a prophet in your own land. My kids don't always want to listen to me. They listen to a third party. And and, and this may be the same for one of our listeners here. As someone that's been in markets now for, for 30 years, if I had my time over again, yeah, I'd start earlier. I was very lucky that I got educated very well on trading as, as, as professional development within my career. Get yourself educated and be very mindful. World-class basics. Don't get blown off course looking for the latest fancy trading strategy and leverage. Get it on something that's going to be relatively low risk and let your money work for you rather than you work for it. That would be what my biggest takeaway would be. And uh, I'm kicking myself that I didn't get there with this type of strategy maybe 10 years ago, but we're there now. Can't do anything about the past. We live in the present and it creates our future. And this is a great future for our clients. I've got no doubt about that. Well said. Thanks very much, AB. Cheers. Absolute pleasure. There you have it, guys. Make sure you give us a review and a rating, and we'll look forward to hosting you next week.